Hello, my friends. Young and old, little and big, heroes and heroines. And welcome to this episode of Finnerin's Wake for kids. The stories here told stand at the very heart of our culture, a culture to whose ancient rhythm and musical pulse each and every one of our souls is tuned. These stories vibrate in our bones, they course through our veins, and resonate and dance all around us. The following story, with which we'll spend the next half hour, is one you'll not soon forget. It's the story of Jupiter and Europa. It features a naughty, lustful god whose magical transformation into a bull lured an innocent girl away from her family, friends, and home. A beautiful princess by the name of Europa, after whom the entire continent of Europe and one of the planet Jupiter's moons are named. The seizure of the latter by the former, of the princess by the god. A bull swimming across the sea to a distant island called Crete, and the great king born of a bizarre union. Zeus, known to the Romans as Jove or Jupiter, like the massive, gaseous planet, the fifth from the sun, than which no other planet in our solar system is larger, was the mightiest of all gods. On this point there was, among humans, titans, and gods alike, unanimous or complete agreement. It's so rare for us to agree on anything. Zeus must have been mighty indeed. Over Mount Olympus, that royal, celestial palace suspended high aloft, that godly residence, that cloudy empire hanging way up in the heavens above, he was, without question, supreme. His supremacy, limitless in its reach, extended not only across the entire canvas of the sky, but all over and throughout the earth below. For the gathering of the clouds, the creation of storms, the rumbling of thunder, and the flash of fierce lightning, he was solely responsible. So, too, was he responsible for the fates of brave warriors on the field of battle, for the rise or fall of the great cities and kingdoms for which they vied and fought, for the siring of legendary heroes like Heracles and Perseus, and the birth of blemishless and beautiful ladies like Persephone and Helen over whose abduction the Trojan War was waged. His dominion, or his realm, in short, knew no bounds. 
happens. Nor, as it happens, did his appetite. Zeus was as lustful as he was powerful. His puissance or power was eclipsed only by his concupiscence or desire. Big words, I know. A vice peculiar to this god in which he very seldom refrained from indulging. It's as though every time he saw a jar of cookies set on the table, into which his mother sternly warned him not to reach his hand, he just had to grab a few. And, in defiance, in open defiance of her order, Toss them hungrily into his mouth. Mmm, yummy, yummy. This, of course, is not a good thing. You should never be intemperate. You should govern your appetite with moderation in class and always ask your mom or dad before munching away on fresh baked cookies. Zeus, or Jupiter, was seated on his royal throne in Olympus when, out of the lower corner of his eye, he noticed a beautiful girl playing with her <laughs> friends down on Earth. As you can imagine, she was quite the girl. She had long, wavy tresses of dark brown hair, through which the eastern fragrant wind delighted to flow. She had large, laughing, carefree eyes, also brown, by which everyone, upon looking at her, was immediately put to ease. Her swarthy dark skin was colored by her climate, tanned by the southern sun beneath which she lived. And her voice, ah, what a voice. It was a symphony of sound before which nightingales fell quiet and to which one could listen all day. Jupiter thought to himself. What a splendid girl! What a beautiful specimen! A dazzling maiden to whose radiant prettiness not even Aphrodite, the most gorgeous of all goddesses, could hold a candle. I must know her. But this passion I have for her about which my wife would be quite upset if she knew, I must keep this a secret. And so, Jupiter called upon his faithful son, Mercury, after whom another planet, this one closer to the sun, is named, to assist him. To each of Mercury's shoes, a pair of wings was fixed, by which he was able to propel himself with incredible speed. 
Make haste, Jove ordered. Glide swiftly down to the land named by its people, Sidon or Tyre, on whose mountain pastures you'll surely find the royal herd. When you do, drive these cattle to the seashore, at which point I'll descend and meet my love. Tyre is an ancient city in a country called Lebanon, on the eastern shore of the Mediterranean Sea. It's the city from which, in a later myth about which we are sure to talk, Dido departed when she fled to Carthage. A quick quiz. Who is the god with the wings on his shoes? Mercury. That's right. If the tires on your car are made, perhaps, by Goodyear, you'll see Mercury's emblem, a winged foot. In an instant, Mercury flew down to Earth. And, according to Jove's instruction, drove the royal herd from the hillside to the seashore, along which the beautiful young girl and all her friends were playing. Mercury then returned to Jupiter, or Zeus, the following news. The pretty specimen on whom he had his eye wasn't just anyone. She was the daughter of the king, a princess by the name of Europa. This only inflamed Jove's desire to meet her all the more. But he knew he couldn't just walk right up to her in the form of a god. Such an awesome sight would doubtless frighten the girl. He chose, instead, to disguise himself. The costume beneath which he decided to conceal or hide his true figure was that of a bull. But this wasn't just any old bull. Jupiter's bull was a bull to behold. His musical, mooing voice to whose deep lowing the trees swayed and the flowers danced was soothing and sweet. It tickled the air like the notes of a saxophone voiced by a jazz master. The way he walked, his gait was confident and sure-hoofed. He wasn't cumbrous and heavy like the other cows around whom he pranced. His hide was perhaps his most remarkable feature. It was pure white, a rare color for bulls. But it wasn't just white. It was as white as an icy glacier or the untrodden snow, the first of the winter by which the cold ground is blanketed. 
the muscles of his neck, by which his handsome head was supported, bulged and swelled with pride. As for his horns, they adorned his head like pricey jewels, perfectly cut to dazzle and delight. What color was the bull's hide? White. That's correct. His hide was white. Europa, captivated by the sight of this unusual bull, marveled at its beauty. She wanted to approach him, but hesitated. Such bulls, she remembered, aren't always so friendly as they seem. This was a lesson her father, the king, had taught her long ago. But a look of kindness and friendship sparkled in the bull's big, round eye, by which her uncertainty was, at once, relieved. She walked right up to the bull and offered flowers to his soft lips. The bull lowed, or mooed, happily, munched on the offering, and kissed her delicate hand. Gradually, Europa lost her fear. She and the bull began to play on the seashore. Together they rolled and frolicked and danced. <laughs> Europa plucked from a nearby garden some flowers, with which she festooned or decorated the bull's pearly horns. She decorated his horns with these flowers, and the two passed the day as one. Finally, Europa felt safe enough to mount the bull's back. To make it more accessible, to make it easier for her, Jove knelt down and encouraged her to climb up. She did so, and, upon settling upon it, was shocked by its size. It was so broad and strong that it easily could have accommodated not only her, but all her friends. She could have laid out a whole picnic on his back. Europa, now mounted on the bull's back, felt like true royalty. It was as though she had a carriage or a car, all her own, of which she alone was in control. Jove smiled to himself. Every part of his plan had fallen into place. As Europa giggled and enjoyed the bumpy ride, Jove, the great white bull, walked toward the ocean. A change of direction of which Europa hardly took any notice. She was too busy enjoying the ride and fancying herself a queen. 
before she knew it, the bull was entering the shallows of the sea. He was leaving behind the sandy shore and walking right out into the open water. No sooner had he stepped into the waves than he was waiting, like a ship, in an unfathomable or very deep depth. Tell me, can bulls swim? Have you ever seen such a thing? Just remember, this was no ordinary bull. This was Zeus, a god disguised as a bull. Europa, all of a sudden, was overcome by fear. A cold sweat broke out on her face as her heartbeat quickened. Gazing back, she saw the image of the sand, her city, her home, her friends and her family receding. Now blurry dots, now little specks, they soon vanished completely. The vast blue horizon into which she herself was plunged swallowed them whole they were no more. She was now a captive, destined for an unknown shore far removed from the picturesque landscape from which she came. She could do nothing but hold on for the ride. With her right hand, she grasped one of Jove's refulgent or very bright horns remember their beauty. With her left, she held onto the thick muscles of his back. Whither did they go? Where did Jove bring her? Toward what undisclosed secret land in the distance was he swimming? Where do you think they went? To Mount Olympus? To Hoboken, New Jersey? To Disney World? Perhaps to the moon? Even better, Jove, the bull, swam to the island of Crete. Crete is a beautiful island located just south of Greece. Back then it was separate, but today it's a part of Greece. At long last, Jove surfaced on Crete's unvisited shore. Before his arrival with Europa, no mortal, no human being had ever set foot on the island. Europa was eager to do just that. She slid down from the bull's large back and relished the feeling of her bare feet on solid ground. Little did she know at this point that Crete would, forevermore, be her home. Gleefully, full of happiness, she knelt down to feel the coarse sand run through her fingers, to touch the driftwood that had washed upon the shore when, behind her, she sensed something had changed. The figure of the bull the mooing captor on whose broad back she was whisked away, had transformed into that of a god. It was Zeus, Jove, Jupiter, 
the mightiest of all gods. She turned around just in time to watch him complete the transition. He shed his bull's disguise and adopted, once again, his royal, godly outfit. Now, in all his royal grandeur, Jove stood before the slack-jawed, astonished girl. Hello. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. He then took her into his arms and embraced her very warmly. Nine months later, Europa gave birth to three remarkable boys, Radamanthus, Sarpedon, and Minos, who would be king. His wife, Pasiphae, would eventually give birth to the terrible Minotaur, to whom the Athenians sacrificed their finest young men and women, about whom we'll talk another day. Thank you so much for joining me on this wonderful adventure. I hope you enjoyed the myth of Jupiter and Europa. In this episode, we learned about the origin of Europe, a little about Lebanon, the role of Mercury, and the deceitfulness of Zeus, and perhaps the unwisdom of hopping on bulls' backs and swimming across the sea. Now, the purpose of this channel is to entertain and enlighten the whole family young and old, child and parent alike. With your support, we can achieve that end. We can rebuild an intelligent, curious, and lovable society. One in which we are all eager to grow up. Please, subscribe to this channel. Leave a five-star rating and, most importantly, share it with friends. Share it with your Facebook groups, your Instagram and Twitter followers or your fellow parents at church, Starbucks, Hot Yoga, Williams-Sonoma, SoulCycle, or wherever it is you spend your days. Let's raise, together, a generation of geniuses. Let's not forsake our myths and heroes, the great men and women by whom our extraordinary culture is built. Visit my sister podcasts, Finnerin's Wake and Numa, for more adult material. With that, Farewell from Finnerin's Wake for kids.